my focus was not money first. It was mentorship. So when I was working at this FQHC, it's very funny, health clinic in Middletown, Ohio, I was doing procedures, but I wasn't proficient. I was guessing my confidence wasn't there and imposter syndrome was huge. So as I was doing these cases, you know, I felt because I went to an Ivy League residency after one year, I'd be the doctor's doctor. But clearly that was not the case at all. This is the Dental Marketer Podcast, where we teach you how to effectively market your dental practice. My name is Michael Arias, and my mission is to help you, the practice owner, to grow your practice, attract new patients immediately, and be seen as the go-to dental office in your community. Have you ever felt like you're walking on a tightrope in the world of dentistry? Maybe you're balancing between self-doubt and your passion? Dr. Jared Williams has been there and he's done that. And he's joining us today to share some game-changing strategies, not just to shake off that imposter syndrome or imposter feeling that we feel, but also to seriously up your practice's collection and profit game. I love this episode. I'm going to listen to it because he has so many gems in this episode. I'm excited for you to listen to it. And we dive into the art of investing into mentors and how it can transform your journey. And Jared's going to share his personal experience and guide us through the crucial steps to choose the right mentor for you. But that's not all. Have you ever struggled to connect with your patients? Maybe they're not giving you the reaction or the response that you want when you're speaking with them, when you're presenting treatment, when you're showing them their issues. They're just not giving you what you want. Jared will reveal why it's essential to get on the patient's level and communicate effectively, to build trust and rapport, and he gives us the steps on how to do that. I mean, he goes down to the science of it, so it's really interesting. And if you're looking to make lasting connections and expand your practice, we'll explore the power of shaking hands and forging partnerships with local businesses, a long-term strategy that can set you up for success. And here's the kicker. He's got a roadmap to skyrocket your practice collections and profit. And get this, he's throwing down a five-day challenge for you. So listen in to see what it is, see if you want to take it. But like Jared says in the episode, knowledge and understanding are more valuable than rubies. Let's dive in and soak up the knowledge he has to offer in this episode. And I have a freebie for you at the end of this episode, so stick around. It's something I created that I know you're going to love, and it's 100% free. In fact, you can go in the show notes right now and get it, but I'll explain more on it towards the end of the episode. So without further delay, let's tune in to Jared Williams. Jared, how's it going? Fantastic. How about yourself? Doing pretty good, man. How's the weather like out in Houston? Uh, it's pretty good. There's no humidity. That's a blessing. Typically, we're at 99% and it's 105. <laughs> so if I could go outside and not have my whole back full of sweat, then we're having a great day. So yeah. all is well here. That's good, man. That's awesome. Hey, man, so talk to us a little bit about your how you came to where you are today. I know you said you had a little bit, we were talking about before, you have a concierge practice and then you're also in other practices, right? Absolutely. Talk to me about that. As a concierge dental surgeon, I'm a GP and I, majority of my clinical practice is focused on third molars, implants, and IV sedation. And so I work with about 30 different practices, about 12 to 15 are actually active practices that'll go into their practice. And opposed to them referring patients out, I'll actually come into their practice and 
provide procedures such as thirds, IV sedation, or implants for them. How long have you been doing that for? About nine years. Oh, man. Okay. So then <laughs> let's rewind a little bit. What got you into all this? All right. So my wife, we were in Ohio and she was doing her family medicine residency in Ohio, Kettering, Ohio. And I was working for FQHC, a federally funded health clinic. And when I went there after leaving my GPR at University of Pennsylvania, VA hospital in Philly, I wanted to focus on how to make the most with doing the least. But my focus was not money first, it was mentorship. So when I was working at this FQHC, his federally funded health clinic in Middletown, Ohio, I was doing procedures, but I wasn't proficient. I was guessing my confidence wasn't there and imposter syndrome was huge. So as I was doing these cases, you know, I felt because I went to an Ivy League residency after one year, I'd be the doctor's doctor. But clearly that was not the case at all. I was taking out wisdom teeth, leaving roots in there on purpose. And it was just like the patients liked me because I was always thinking about them taking care of their concerns and making sure they were never in pain. But my clinical skills weren't there. And that's the hence I decided to do an FKHC opposed to going into private practice and just trying to figure it out and make money at the same time. So when I was working there, my office manager was just like, hey, you need to meet this guy. You need to meet this guy. And I was like, he clearly can't be better than me. I went to Ivy League. I went to Meharry <laughs> Medical College. Yo, I'm that guy. So after her tugging on my scrubs, I was just like, let me go meet this guy. So I go ahead and I get his phone number and I call him. I was like, hey, when can I come out and see you? He was like, you could come on Saturday. I was like, okay. So in the evening time, you know, I still have my jacket on, slacks, dress shoes, and I go into his practice and it's 7 p.m., 7 p.m. <laughs> on a Saturday. And I walk into the practice. He has his wife, two assistants. And then I walk in, I see a patient being set up for oral sedation, another patient being discharged from IV sedation with a CRNA. Then to my left, I see a patient who's getting a root canal. Then I go down the hall I see another patient getting set up prep for thirds, another patient would be prep for thirds. And then at the end of the office, he's doing an implant. And I'm like, what the heck did I walk into? That's almost over. That's almost $30,000, $40,000 of treatment at 7 p.m. And mind you, he's been there since 6 a.m. that morning. I'm like, what the heck is this? And so when I started paying attention, I was looking and waiting for somebody to be yelling and screaming. I was looking to see if the root canals were long or short. I was looking to see if the implant angulation was off one way or the other. And everything's like spot on. And I look at this guy, I'm like, yo, what the heck did I just stumble into? It's 7 p.m. on a Saturday night. And he has like over $30,000 worth of treatment at 7 p.m. And I'm thinking to myself, I was like, wait a second. I observed him the whole day and I looked him in the eyes. I was like, you know what? I'm not leaving you until I leave this state. Religiously, I went there Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday afternoon, and I just sat at his feet and I was just like, yo, I'm just going to listen and learn. And that was like almost 10 years ago, 11 years ago of me mm -hmm. doing that after my residency. And ever since then, I was just like, this is the blueprint. Travel, doing surgeries, he was doing that. That really just was the catalyst for me getting to this point. Gotcha, man. Interesting. So then when did you decide or have the confidence to go out on your own then from that point on? After I left Ohio, he told me, he was like, hey, if you're going to do what I'm doing, he was like, go ahead and get your IV sedation training. So I went down to Augusta. Regents did a two-week course, dropped $12,000. And at the time, I'm freshly married. I had the money, but I didn't have the money because, you know, mm -hmm. I'm just a year out of practice. And so I got my wife's blessing. She said, yes, I dropped the money and I went. 
And so after I leave, the reason I'm bringing that up is this, is when we moved to Houston after we left Ohio, we moved to Houston, which where, where I'm from. And I went to a practice because I wanted to get a lot of implants. And so I was just like, what kind of practice did I go to? Where I could do drop implants and just figure it out. So I went to like a um, denture mill. And so they're, we're taking out teeth and placing implants. And so when I got to the practice, I asked them, I was like, hey, is it possible that I could use my IV sedation certificate? And they were like, no. I was like, why? And it was just like company policy. So I was like, screw it. So after six months, I dropped 162 implants and I was like, I'm gone in that six month period. And so I just opened up. I just went ahead and I just started contacting doctors. And 12 years later, here we are. You contacted doctors for an acquisition or you decided to make like your concierge practice that was from a startup? Ground up. Okay. How was that process? Oh, it was phenomenal. It was funding. So one of my friends, he's a ER doctor. His name is Smash USMLE. And so at the time, nine years ago, he came to my office and you know, he had Vistaprint has like boxes <laughs> of business cards. And so he looked at my desk and was like, what is this? And I'm thinking to myself, dude, they're business cards. Like you're a doctor, just like, yeah, as we see these questions. And so he was like, what is this? I was like, dude, they're business cards. And he was just like, where'd you get these? I was like, I went to different offices getting these business cards. Now at the time, Vistaprint was selling business cards, like 500 in the box and the whole box was full. He was like, bro, you went to 500 practices. I was like, in your point. And, I, and at the time it was maybe like three, 350. And I went yeah. to literally, I went to door to door, bang, 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 bang. Hey, my name is Dr. Williams. And he was like, how did you do this? And I was just like, I just drove down the street, knocking on doors. And he was like, this is crazy. And so that's how the practice started. This was before social media was like a real big thing. And I knew of it. That's how we started. Yeah. Do you ever feel like that's easier though? Still till today, like going door to door instead of on social media sometimes? Yeah. The thing is this, it's not sexy and people are just lazy. And depending upon where you are, I think it's always best to do grassroots approach because it's long term. Like those people that I still work with to today, like I know where all the bodies are buried in a sense here in Houston. So if you drive in Houston, if you could see it off the street, I've been to it. Hands down. They've seen my face lock in with cards. That was over 10 years ago. To answer your question, yeah, 100 percent to be able to touch and speak to the people, go to the practice, see what people are doing. It's given me tremendous amount of insight because now, opposed to just being in my own box, which I consider a dental practice, being able to see all these different practices from Medicaid mills and million dollar practices, it gives me like a tremendous insight on the lay of the land. Yeah, man, I, people I are doing. 100% agree. When you went to these practices, what'd you say? What'd you do? What was the spiel kind of thing? So I would go in and say, hey, my name is Dr. Williams. I'm a conscious dental surgeon and I do third molars, implants, and IV sedation. Does anybody in a practice do that? Of course, everybody would say, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, of course, 10 years ago, I looked a little bit younger. People weren't too open or forthright with welcoming into their practice. But it was a tremendous character-building situation that has allowed me to use that to propel me in my career with training and just my clinical practice as a whole. Gosh. So people would tell you like, yeah, no, don't worry. And then eventually they call you or how did that work? I recall, like I would have my card, right? Yeah. And I would say, hey, my name is Dr. Williams. And for me, I'm real big into personality assessments. And my personality is like, I'm very analytical. On Texas Dental Board, you could look at all the different doctors who have certain qualifications. And IV sedation is one of those qualifications you see. So I researched like a thousand doctors. And I know that there was like only four at the time that were actually doing IV sedation who weren't a specialist. 
And so I would go into the practice and say, hey, my name is Dr. Williams. Do you have anybody coming to your practice doing these procedures? And I know from the practice I would go to, I knew that there was only four and I'm one of the four. So I would literally go in and I would give my card and say, yeah, we have somebody do it. And so they would have my card and I would take the card right out of their hand and walk out because I knew that they were lying. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> so it was well, like a real lying. interesting. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you know, start up, you know, every, if you're a practice owner, if you're not faithful to a few things, you've be made rule over many. So business cards are like a real big thing. <laughs> it's, it's funny now that, you know, it's like two cents of a business card. But at the time, you know, just being married, there was a lot of stuff going on and just following my mentor's advice and saying, hey, drop the money, even if you don't have it, because it's going to 10x everything that you have. And so that little money that I spent on IV sedation is, I have yeah. returns, returns on that. That's a good way to look at it. But how do you know how much money and where to drop it at? So for example, if you're like, okay, IV sedation, I'm dropping it there. But if you keep that mentality, you're like, all right, I'm going to drop it here too. And here, what if the ROI is not... You know I'm I mean? so glad you highlighted that. So you have to know yourself. I am a very analytical. And when I first started my career after residency, my focus was I want to make the most, spend the least and enjoy life. So my focus was to get mentorship. If my mentor didn't have $30,000 on a Saturday night at 7 p.m. doing all those surgeries and he was a terrible doctor, I'm not paying that money. He had the track record. He was practicing what he preached and patients loved him. And he had the personality to go along with it. And so you have to, one has to look at themselves in the mirror and say, hey, if you spend this money, are you actually going to be faithful with spending the money? What happens is there's so many internet gurus that are out there saying, hey, do this, take my course, do all these different things, but they're not practicing what they preach. They have no track record and they haven't been tested. Or if they have been tested, and they have these wonderful reviews, how does that individual or this guru make you feel when you're asking questions that are super important to you? When I mentor docs, you know, I always tell them, you know, have that mentor pass that test. And it's a three-pronged stool. And it's just, hey, do they practice what they preach? How are their reviews? And lastly, how do they make you feel when you're in their environment learning the skills that they've been able to acquire over the years? Got you. I like that. So then... When it came to you, when did you start mentoring now? So I've been mentoring since in college. So that story is a little interesting. When I was in college, I had a 246 GPA freshman year. Not great, right? <laughs> it just keeps going. It just keeps going. It's a story that keeps giving. And so my dad being a military, in the military, Army Ranger, I'm thinking being in Alabama, go to Oakwood University, him being here in Houston, my mom being here in Houston, I'm thinking that he's going to go through the phone and start choking me, you know, like Bart Simpson, like Homer Bart Simpson. And I'm like, yo, I can't tell my dad because he's literally going to kill me. Like he was trained to kill people. Like and he's going to kill his son. I'm screwing around, going to parties, playing video games, have a poor GPA and then saying I'm going to go become a doctor one day. It's not good for anybody's background. When I finally built up the courage to speak with him, I said to him, he's like, what, son? I was like, I have a 246 GPA. And he paused and I'm just waiting for him to lay into me. He was just like, Oh, just get with the smartest person in class. And my jaws dropped and he hung up. Now I'm at Oakwood University. If y'all never heard of that school, if you heard of E.T., Hip Hop Preacher, have you heard of Eric Thomas? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we went to the same undergrad, right? When I'm in Alabama and I hear that message, I follow my dad's insight and I find the smartest person in class. And so I got through college first, got in dental school the first try. 
And I was just like, you know, this is working out for me. And so I decided to marry her. So that's my wife now. So <laughs> She was the smartest person in class? She was, she was uh, class. I was going to ask you, like, how'd you, who was it? <laughs> yeah, no, my wife, my wife of 12 years, man, she did it. And so just little tried and true principles and staying in the right environment. It's got me to this point. It worked out, man. It worked out. Uh, how'd you do that? How'd you like approach like, hey, smartest person in class? I think you are it. So let's do this. Being a doctor, you're in the environment. So you see people and you know how we operate. And what happens is this, we're like weird people. We're smarter than the average. And then when we get into dental school, they browbeat us for one millimeter. It's a big thing. And so trying to find the smartest person in class is very challenging, especially if you don't have anything to offer. And so, you know, when I found an individual who was the top, humble, and was willing to help, I literally decided to throw my ego out the door so that I could be successful. And that's the reason why I decided to train GP specifically within one of the more harder procedures in dentistry of third molar surgery, because after getting students in dental school with low GPA and me getting dental school and then getting eight to 10 other college students in dental school and then successfully matriculate through dental school, I was like, wait a second, there's something to this. And so one of my mentors, Ronnie Brown, she's in the dental speaker industry. And after having a conversation with her, she was like, hey, you got a gift with this whole mentorship thing. And so the reason for me of wanting to mentor is because for an individual who had a low GPA, I know what it feels like to be at the bottom. I know what it feels like to not have those good grades. And I know what it feels like to be feel like less than. And when I realized that, hey, I have a gift of mentorship, but then I also figured that I cracked the code that is only supposed to be done by specialists who have four to six years of education. And I could make it easy for a GP with little to no experience and they could treat more patients. They could tap into a $3 billion business industry and that's 2008 or 2016 literature. And they could change how they're practicing. You know, they could turn their practice from stagnant to profitable in months flat, it's very humbling. And I take that gift very seriously because I believe the creator put me on this planet to do that. Because if you could go from looking at your account, go red, go negative, <laughs> and, you know, trying to shift money around or just wanting to jump out of the phase of, you know, imposter syndrome, thinking that you can't do something when you're more than capable to do something. I want to have and give individuals, specifically GPs, that confidence they need to jump in their career because if I look at what doctor in Ohio was able to do for me, I've touched individuals around the globe and he doesn't even realize that. The butterfly effect of being able to give individuals the skills to be successful and then I don't chain them to me forever because it's like, if you don't come to me, then you will never be successful. I don't like that because I, I, I know what that feels like. Two, four, six. I have to be relying upon, hey, did it get the notes? Like I know what that feels like and I never want anybody to feel that. And so like I have like a real, real, real desire of, helping GPs in that forefront and then just other practice owners as well. Yeah. I like that, man. I like how you, you humbled yourself, right? Because I feel like when we do that, when we try to find somebody, you really do have to put that and imitate instead of compare, right? Because when we compare, we compete. But when you imitate, you can say, okay, I'm going to try and do what you're doing. And then as you develop, you're like, I'm going to do it this way now kind of thing. When it comes to you, I want you to break it down now for us, actually for everybody. How can we do that today? How can we make it easier with third molars? Number one, you have to get off social media in the sense of that's your main source of 
education. That's what I mean. Stay on social media because you wouldn't be able to have this, this information right here. Follow, follow, stick with yeah. me, guys. It's 246, the 246 GPA. That's how y'all probably going to remember me now. If you're relying on not paying to get education, it's not going to work. I take principles from any place I possibly can. And one place I get principles from, and I'm not trying to convert anybody into anything, but there's this principle. It says, if you're faithful over a few things, you'll be made rule over many. That's number one. Number two is where your treasure is, there your heart shall be also. So basically, if you spent two to three or four hundred, five hundred, even now eight to nine hundred thousand dollars for your education, you're going to practice dentistry unless you marry up. So since that's the case, you have so many doctors who have taken time to put their treasure into their career, such as dental school, and now they're doing everything in their power to live the good life. But it's very challenging to live a good life without sacrifice. And sacrifice isn't giving up something of higher value to get, give something of lower value. It's the opposite. It's giving up something of lower value and getting something of greater value. And so another little principle I like to go by is this, is that wisdom and knowledge and understanding is far greater than rubies. And so you don't find rubies just walking down the street. Last time an individual seen a ruby, it's between glass. It surpasses what's on the other side of that glass, which is those rubies. And so I would say when an individual has that unction, that is, I believe, the creator letting you know, hey, put this desire in you so that you could serve more people. You could live the life that you're wanting to live and you could help those that are around you. And so when an individual gains the courage, because it's, it's very challenging, gains the courage to bet on themselves and realize that they're good enough and that there's greatness inside of them, you know, the sky's the limit. And I believe that's the first step. So to gain the courage, right, to understand and be like, OK, and for lack of a better word, I'm willing to put down the cash. I'm willing to put invest in myself kind of thing. I would say this. So it's not always just giving the money. It's just on YouTube. There's a lot of resources on there, like mm -hmm. your podcast. This is one that's not paid. Not yet at least. Patreon's coming. If not, I got you. I got you covered. I got you covered. But it's yeah. just, there's so much content out there. And so once again, just going back to those three pillars, when you're going to look for somebody, how do they make you feel? What are their reviews? And do they have the track record to actually back it up? And then once those things are established, then be confident with your checkbook and bring it out. It's super challenging because, you know, I've seen surgeries on YouTube to where individuals will cut out 15 to 30 minutes of their surgery and splice. And then you have a lot of GPs, young and old, they're watching these things as their main source of training and education. And they get into the operatory and it goes south. And like, I follow the video to the D. Yeah. It's super challenging. For instance, for myself, I'm a clinical assistant professor at the GPR program here in Houston. So mm -hmm. it's not like a fly by night type of thing. Like I have the credentials to back it up. So it's one of those things where take a GPR, there's a lot of free resources out there, but when you really want to get serious and take your skills on next level, then bring out the check, but don't lead because there's a lot of grifters and snake salesmen out there. So be careful. Yeah. Okay. So then real quick, if you don't mind me asking, before this to now, how much are you making? So I would say yearly, maybe quarter million, but I only do four days a week, four hours a day. So each, yeah, okay. Four days a week, four hours a four, eight, 12, 16, 16 hours in a week. And then everything else is just your mentorship. 
or funsies or whatever you want to do kind of thing. Funsies is mentorship. This is not like and or like I was doing this for free for years. I told you I was going back all the way back in the dental school. Like I got people I've been mentoring for years. So this is not, oh, I'm doing this to get rich. Like I'm doing this because I'm already rich. <laughs> <laughs> You're just enjoying it. I'm, like, just, I'm is... just enjoying it. And the thing is, this, like I said, like the only reason why I had to put a dollar figure on it is because if people don't pay for it, it's going to be like, ah, whatever. Like how many times have you gone to Costco and get a sample? And I don't like this. Throw it in trash. But if you bought it with your hard-earned money, like you're going to appreciate it or take advantage of it. There's so many docs that reach out and says, hey, doc, how can you help me on these thirds? And I give them some counsel and they just run with it. And it's fine because I give a tremendous amount of free content on IG and YouTube. But it gets to a point to where if you don't pay, it's going to be hard to play. And I'll give you an example. So there was this doc, he was from New York and he reached out to me. He was like, hey, can you um, help me? with this case. And I was like, sure. I never met him. He never took a mentorship, hands-on live course, online course, five-day challenge, none of these things. Bought a book, nothing. I'm a nice, I mean, this is what I do. So he reached out to me on Instagram and he was just like, hey, I got this case. And so he's telling me about the case and I was like, all right, sounds like he did everything well. What happened was he treated the patient on a Thursday and he reached out to me on a Thursday evening and he was just like, my patient's still in pain. What should I do? He's in New York. And I was just like, tell me what you did. So I'm listening to stories. I was like, check, 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 check. And I was like, hey, man, you did a good job. Go about your day. And so he called me Friday evening about 430 Mm-hmm. And he's five years practicing. He doesn't have his own practice. He's doing associate in a practice. And so he's like, hey, man, what do I do? And I was like, tell me what happened. So he tells me again. I was like, bro, man, you're good. Just go about your day. He never met me like one to one. He just talked about his case and he left. So when he comes back, just that Thursday, he contacted me Friday. He's like, what do I do? And I was like, man, just let the patient go. Like you did everything right. He was so fearful that he was like, I don't know if I trust you. So what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to do it my way, his way. I'm listening and I'm like, you don't trust me. And the reason why you don't trust me is because you're not tied to anything. It's just you on the line. So I was like, hey, man, how about you do this? It sounds like you just want to send her to the ER. So just send her to the ER and just follow up with her. So he's like, all right, I'm going to do that. So he sends it to the ER. Guess who's there? Who? Our friendly oral surgeon. So I have tremendous amount of friends who are oral surgeons. I wouldn't be getting in this position right now if it weren't for oral surgeons. But there was a non-friendly oral surgeon that was present. And the oral surgeon was like, who did your surgery? She was like, oh, my doctor. He was like, no, what type of doctor? And he was just like, oh, my general dentist. He was like, general dentist should not be taking out their molars. And she was like, huh? She was like, that's exactly why you have this issue that you have right now. He was like, you need to have him pay for your emergency care. That's at least a thousand, two thousand dollars. Yeah. You could feel the pain coming. Yeah. You need to pay for your, you need, he needs to pay for this visit. You need to write a complaint and you need to sue him. And imagine doing anything for five years, let alone dentistry. And you get a call from your patient saying, you're going to pay for this. I'm going to sue you. And I'm going to give you a bad review. That is a gut punch to everything in your career. And confidence within dentistry is like key especially doing a surgery that is reserved for specialists. He's distraught. He's fearful. He's scared. And so a couple of days, he reaches back out to me. He's like, hey, doc, I don't think I'm going to ever do third molar surgery anymore. And I'm like, why? He was like, man, this thing took a hit to me. And I was like, what happened? It was just like when he took out the tooth, the surgeon took an x-ray and he saw that there's a little piece of bone, interceptal bone. After you do an extraction, there's like bone that could be moving in that area mm-hmm. and it could cause pain. And that was the issue. And that happens against 
a majority of extraction that individuals end up taking out. And so imagine learning from online. You don't get any feedback. You don't have any necessary counsel. There's no, let me get into a community so that if this thing happens, I could bounce ideas back. You're just literally operating as a lone ranger or some people would say a maverick. And then this happens. And I feel so sorry for the guy because now he's five and a half, six years now. He's never going to pick up a procedure to where it's a three billion, not a million, three billion dollar industry. And that's almost 10 years statistics over 10 years ago. Imagine what they are now. You see what a box of cereal is in the store now. It's not uncommon for me to charge out like six, seven hundred dollars for one tooth, let alone give up the opportunity costs on my whole entire career. It's really sad. On the flip side, there's docs who have more practices that they lay flaps and they're taking out completely bony impacted wisdom teeth the day that they're in our trainings. We have docs who are getting five-star reviews in their first hands-on live course that they've worked with us on. We have individuals who are doing cases that most specialists wouldn't take on in less than four weeks. And I'm humbled, but when you have a gift, your gifts are going to make room for you. And when you have the wisdom, you could make things that look hard easy. And so mm. that's my passion behind it. So, you know, when you do surgery, surgery is the most highly compensated skill on this planet. Now, mm. if we just focus that into just dentistry, third molar surgery, which everybody has, I don't recommend all people's wisdom teeth taken out, but there's 6 million people here in Houston, million growing. Yeah, man, that's good. I like how it went niche to niche to, you know, into like really like third molar dentistry, X, you know what I mean? And then, so would you say, Jared, that's something that, dentists can do today or GPs can do today to improve their marketing or their business? 1,000%. Even if you were to have a before and after picture and put it in your operatory and say, hey, we offer third molar surgery, people are going to come. Case in point, when you had the lockdown, the only people that closed were individuals who were doing non-emergency procedures. So if you're in pain, patients are coming into you. You don't have to sell somebody getting out of pain. You don't have to come up with a sleazy way of getting people in. If you can get somebody out of pain, they will come and you don't have to fight them for the finances. And there are situations where there's a lot of docs are like, hey, well, I can't get insurance to cover these things. There's ways around it. I've been doing this for 12 years. And to be able to offer that service, it's huge. So for instance, here's a little math for you. The average third molar tooth to take out is roughly about 425 nationwide. If you were to do 12 patients, so four teeth, that's a little less than $21,000. On average, if a doc, if an office is referring out 12 patients out of their practice, that's $20,400 that's walking out of the practice every month. A regular surgeon is doing about 10 cases per day. That $20,400 is without IV sedation, oral sedation, nitrous, PRF, bone graft, and membrane. So if you were to add those things, that $20,000 could, could end up topping about $30,000. Wow, man. Okay. And by any chance, do you teach like how to market attract this? Absolutely. We have some different offerings for GPs, but yeah, we teach the exact system on how to market, how to get your exact clients so that they're not coming in and doing U-turn right out of your practice. Yeah. And we offer all those marketing items so that individuals can add water, mix, drink. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I like that, man. Now, these next questions are just to get in the head of someone who isn't like, if you're not totally involved on the clinical side, right? More on the business side of dentistry. But for you, 
What do you feel that needs to be changed for people to be open more to dentistry? For example, you know how a lot of people are like, no, I don't like the dentist. No, I don't like it. The pain. Oh, no. It's only when they get to the pain point, right? Where there's sometimes they're like, I need to go. How can the we? Patient? Yeah, the patient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What needs to change for people to be more open? Like, man, this is great. I All like right, it here. So, so I have an actual book on that. It's, the book is called How to Get Any Patient Numb Third Molar Edition, but you could apply it across pedo, pros, the whole nine. It applies <laughs> yeah. to everything. If you're listening to this, all I'm giving you is principles, and principles operate any and everywhere, all right? So the reason why that happens is because doctors speak like they're doctors to <laughs> patients. That is a problem. If I speak to you in a different language and you don't speak that language, we're not going to move the needle in terms of communication, correct? If I start yelling at you and talking like this so that you can hear me <laughs> in a different language, that's not going to move the needle, right? So here's a little stat, and I'll give a, a practical tip that you could actually use. In America, the average reading comprehension level is third grade. We as clinicians have high school, college, four years, dental school, four years, and if you did a residency, one more year. So that's nine years of education. When you speak above the level to your patients and they're in pain, and they don't trust you, they're not going to want to move forward with services. So I'll give you some examples. So when I speak to patients, I speak to them not as if they're stupid, but I use my language to speak to them at a third grade level. And this works in million dollar practices and it works in Medicaid meals. And when I say that is this, I am doing a show and tell approach on what we're doing. I don't use any terms. So like the mesial angled, the complete bony impact, it wasn't like, the sinus, like not many people understand and can comprehend that regardless of their educational field, even if they went on to Google, they'll have a reference, but typically that reference will be a little off. There's little different innuendos and different thoughts with different things when you go in different cultures and communication. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And so when you speak to an individual on a level that they could communicate with, your success rate will go up at least 40%. So let's just say I'm working on a patient, right? And they're fearful. First thing's this, I'm going to get on their level and I'm going to remove all clothing that has any type of association with dentistry as much as you can, right? Docs will have their lab coats on, they'll have their masks, they'll have their loops and they'll say, hey, I'm Dr. Such and Such, how are you doing? So one has to do is mirror the actual individual. Oftentimes when doctors come in, they're sitting up like this and they're looking mm -hmm. down at the patient. That's a paternalistic approach. Now, what you've done is you've taken the more dominant approach opposed to bringing your chair down and you're sitting at their level. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so what you're doing is you're showing deference to the individual. Then the next step that you want to do is ask the patient after you introduce yourself with a warm smile, because when you smile at somebody, it hits their limbic system and you have a mirror. And so anytime you smile at somebody, you typically want to smile back, what you're doing right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good, yeah. This is from my mentor, Chris Foss. He's a hostage negotiator. So these things could operate anywhere. The next step that you want to do is ask the patient, how can I help you? Everybody wants to be served. Everybody wants to be served. Most times docs will come in and say, all right, how can I help you? I'm here for you opposed to you here for me. And so what you want to do is reverse that role and be like a waiter or waitress serving this individual and say, hey, how can I serve you? And then show active listening. Write it down and say, is this what you mean? It seems like this X, Y, and Z, and just rephrase what they said back to you. Once you have that done, 
then you will then proceed on whatever procedure you're doing, specifically thermal surgery. So what I do is this, I'll go on my screen and I'll actually point out the actual teeth that we're actually working on. Real simple. And then I'll let them know, hey, you see this nerve right here? The reason why I bring it up is because if the nerve were to be disturbed, there's likely having numbness. Now, when I say disturbed opposed to damage, there's no anxiety associated with disturbed versus damage. Mm -hmm. Because if you are on your phone and you're like, do, 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 we're sorry. The service in your area has been temporarily disabled or <laughs> disturbed. If you say damage, you go like, man, this person's incompetent. And these are the things, associations that your patients are bringing in and thinking as you're speaking to them. Then I'll go on to say, hey, I will plan 10 steps ahead of the patient. So if it's a mesial angle impacted wisdom tooth and there's a tooth that it's butting up against, I'm going to let them know, hey, there's a likelihood that your tooth could press so hard in a tooth that we're leaving there that it could cause damage. And so when it's damage for them, I put the onus on them because I didn't cause it. But if I did something, it was disturbed opposed to the reverse. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So I'm using my communication in such a way that it's so simple, but it doesn't ring off any bells in the brain to say fear. And that's why patients say, I think I'm going to ask my spouse about this. <laughs> I think I'm going to take another time. And so by doing these items, what's going to end up happening is your conversions are going to skyrocket because the number one way to get patients to say yes is to get on their level. Once you do that, then you want to make sure that you answer all their questions. I can't tell you how many times I've been in somebody's practice and they're telling the patients what's going to happen because the patient isn't on the same page. I will spend 10, 15 minutes just answering questions because answer, questions are indicative on desire from the person that wants a service from you. And what happens is because we're so fast and want to move to the next patient, this, 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 that patient feels that energy and the energy that you're wafting out hits the patient, hits your assistant, hits your front desk staff. And so you're wondering like, man, why is my practice so stagnant? It's because you're giving off energy, like a foul odor. <laughs> you know, people have feel. Yeah. You can't see it, but you could feel it and you could really hit your senses. And so when an individual understands that, and it's just the awareness of these items, individuals flip almost instantly because it's not that this information is new. I didn't say anything new. It's more so the awareness of those things. And when a doc is aware of these things, if their energy is good, when you walk out the practice, guess what the patient's going to say? So what do you think? And their dental assistant didn't go to dental school, didn't do anything. And so what happens is this, if your energy is bad towards your assistant or you decide not to pay them, or you try to screw them over or do all these different things they say, yeah, I don't know. I'd probably go to the next practice. I can't tell you how many assistants have said, you know what? My dentist really is screwing me over and how many patients they've sent out. So if you're a doc who's like, man, I want to grow my practice, but you're not communicating on the level of your patients, you are have zero awareness of the energy that you're putting out. You don't know your personality type, so you don't know what you could accentuate to bring more patients in. One of my mentors says, it's like, there is a guarantee to being successful and you're guaranteed to being not successful. Like there is a formula to both. And oftentimes huh. that lack of awareness is causing people to literally lose over and over and over. Like I bought this marketing program. I took this course. I did this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, but I'm giving too much. No, 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 that's good. Practical. Yeah. And so I've applied these to my practice and I've given these blueprints to docs and it's just they're killing the game. And it's pretty interesting. And you could literally see somebody who is 
brown knuckling or white knuckling a chair go from anxiety to a 12 to they're saying, hey, let's take a picture and put it on Instagram, put it on social yeah. media, because they felt that from another practice that they've gone to and the energy that they felt with us and individuals take our trainings is like, man, it's a completely different story. Yeah. Man, it's so interesting you mentioned all that because you think about it when it comes to, oh, let me ask my spouse. I feel like I've gotten training in like, how do we overcome that question? But we never really talk about like that question might not even ever come up because of everything you're doing, which is what you mentioned, right? Like get on their level, talk to them in a elementary type of a style, like third grade, like you said, right? Make sure you're using simple terms, easy things. That way you don't have to be like, pushy or salesy or, or anything like that. Because I feel like a lot of the doctors are sometimes like, I don't want to be too salesy. Oh, you want to talk to your spouse? Go ahead, talk to your spouse. And so that's interesting. I like that. That was a goal. Really good stuff. So then when it comes to this, your third molar extracts, right? Courses or study club? So for docs like, hey, man, I like what these guys saying. I Googled him up. I saw that he's actually legit. Michael wouldn't bring anybody on this podcast that would be sleazy. So I'm going to check him uh, out. Uh. What I would say is this, is that we have our third molar challenge and we offer it on a consistent basis, unlimited basis to where we have docs who have little to no training come on our five-day challenge. And the whole five-day challenge is on the premises is for you to build confidence in third molar surgery and this challenge. And so we're giving you our exact blueprint to where the individual, the doc could come on and ask all their burning questions. They could get CE. They could be in a community of docs who are all around the globe learning how to do third molar surgery in their exact same spot as you are. And then you could also network with these individuals and continue to grow your practice. And so I would say this is if individuals like saying, hey, I want to learn how to do it, I would say go to thirdmolarsurgery.com, 3RD, thirdmolarsurgery.com, and go there. And what happens is they could sign up for the next slot that we would be offering and go from there. If it's an individual that is just like, you know what, I'm really not interested in the third molar surgery part. How can I like really speak to my patients so I can get those conversions up? I would say you go to my website, uh, jrwdds.com, and we have a book. It's our How to Get Any Patient Numb Third Molar Surgery Edition. And in that book, it's not just for docs who are just doing third molar surgery, but it talks about in depth on how to speak to your patients. It gives you a script on what to say and how to say it so that you could literally have those conversions go from 10, 12, 13, 14, 30% and start boosting up into the 90 percentile just by using some of this framework that we're highlighting here. Nice. So guys, that's going to be in the show notes below. And then Jared, thank you so much for being with us, man. It's been a pleasure. If anybody wanted to reach out to you specifically on social media, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, so it'd be the JW method. So T H E J W method, M E T H O D on IG and DM me on IG. You get okay. there. We'll put all that in the show notes below. But Jared, thank you so much for being with us. It's been a pleasure, and we'll hear from you soon. Thanks, boss. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I truly appreciate it. I hope you got a lot out of this episode. And Jared, my man, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and dropping knowledge and sharing your struggles and your expertise. We really appreciate it. If you want to reach out to Jared, go in the show notes below and click on all the links he has to offer you. If you want to take the five-day challenge, please feel free to do so. I mean, that's an amazing challenge. If you want to be a part of his mentorship programs or anything like that, reach out to him on Instagram and in the experiences he's talked about, right? He'll be more than happy to guide you through any process. So reach out to him. Now, have you ever wondered how some dental practices effortlessly attract thousands of patients? I want to introduce to you 
the 10,000 Patients ebook. It's tested and proven methods to bring in new patients this week, guaranteed. This isn't just another ebook, it's a treasure trove filled with tested and proven systems, strategies, methods, plans, and tactics to literally boost. You're gonna skyrocket your patient count ASAP. It has leading marketing experts, KOLs, coaches, and high producing practice owners. They've all poured in their expertise into this book, and they've ensured that every single strategy is effective and actionable. So are you curious about what's inside of the book? Click on the link. It's going to be the first link in the show notes below. Click on it. You can definitely check out a video. I flip through it or show you everything that's inside the book. It's 100% free. Download it. Start getting the strategy. Start implementing it. You can treat this ebook like, okay, let's read a book from cover to cover. Or you can treat it, let's figure out a strategy. Let's dive into insurances or let's dive into ground marketing or let's dive into Google ads or social media or however. And do this strategy. Do this plan and master it. You can treat it that way too, but it's this is your plan. This is your guideline to start attracting new patients this week, 100% free. So go ahead in the show notes below. It's the first link in the show notes below. So thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I truly appreciate you and I'll talk to you in the next episode.